1: If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew chapter 26. This morning I want to speak to you on actually the message that I was going to share with you last week, but uh, put it off to be able to share some of the future plans of our church. And and by the way, just let me say a, a huge thank you for all those that were praying last week. I know many could not be there and that was okay but you were praying so I appreciate your prayers appreciate all those that showed up this past Monday evening Uh, that was a huge victory uh, for Victory Church and to God be the glory for what he is doing uh, in and through this ministry. Let's give the Lord another praise offering for that, that was huge we had um, not just people here at Victory Church but literally uh, across the country that were praying for us on that evening uh, through Facebook and Twitter and emails, and there was all type of response from that, and uh, and so um, so the cause of Christ was was certainly magnified uh, the last Monday evening. So appreciate your prayers on that. Uh, it, uh, does everyone have the Fusion magazine, all, especially all the adults? Uh, I want to encourage you. This really isn't just something you use on Sunday. It really isn't just something you pull out Saturday evening before you go to bed and quickly review the lesson, the content for Sunday morning. This really is a devotional magazine that you should be using every single day. And if you're not using it that way, I want to encourage you to use it that way. Don't just pull this out on Sunday and stick it in your Bible or stick it somewhere and pull it out the next Sunday. Uh, don't just go to class and just listen to a teacher teach. That's really not the purpose of what we're trying to do. The purpose of what we're doing is to get you in the Word of God just a little bit every single day so that you can grow in, in the Word. Last, last Wednesday's subject matter, if you have your curriculum, you may want to take it out. It's on page number 34. Last, and this was last Wednesday's devotional material. Now I had this message prepared last week, but I read forward thinking about what you guys will be reading and trying to preach something along those lines. So I read this particular Wednesday devotion on prayer. And I realized, look if you will at the fusion fact at the bottom, page number 34, we can fight temptation through prayer. If you remember last week, we unpacked 1 John two sixteen a little bit talked about how all temptation and all sins come through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Those three avenues are where every single sin that we commit is going to venture through one of those three avenues. Last week we were talking about the fall. This week we're talking about the consequences of the fall and the consequences that of course took place as a result of Adam and Eve sinning there in the garden. And consequences has already been shared a little bit. Daniel did a great job talking some about the consequences that we all all face. And I know the classes, you've already discussed that. But I want us to realize the importance of prayer. In this particular devotion, it talks about how when we pray, it can protect us from the temptations of Satan. So this morning, I want to talk briefly, just a few moments or so, on the subject of prayer. Matthew chapter 26. I want you to look in verse 36 and following. But before I get into the Word, let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be able to be together here at Victory Church this morning. And I pray, dear God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and help us, Lord, to receive the Word of God help us to glean from your word today help us Lord to see the importance of prayer in our own individual lives and God every single one of us we know where our weaknesses are we know the areas where Satan will tempt us and Father I pray right now that that we would recognize that that we would submit that to you We would make that an object of our prayer. Satan trembles when we pray. Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to be a church of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 26. I want you to look in verse 36 and following. The scripture says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. I want you to notice that Jesus had a particular place where he was going to pray. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deep, deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death take note of this particular passage remain here stay awake with me and going a little further he fell face down and prayed my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me yet not as I will but as you will and then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and he asked Peter couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Verse 41 is my text verse stay awake and pray so you won't enter into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and again the second time he went away and he prayed my father if this cannot pass unless I drink it your will be done and he came again and found them sleeping because they cannot keep their eyes open and after leaving he went away again and prayed a third time saying the same thing once more and then he came to the disciples and he said to them are you still sleeping and resting look the time is near the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners get up let's go see my betrayer is near I want to talk to you on the subject matter found in verse number 41 stay awake and pray Now, I want you to look, if you will, in verse number 41. The Greek word for stay awake is the Greek word Gregorio. And what that simply means is to be vigilant. It's not talking about sleeping here. It's not talking about staying up all night without physical sleep. What it's talking about is that you be vigilant, that you watch, that you be aware of what's taking place around you. Now let me show you some other passages of Scripture where that very same verse is found. Turn, if you will, over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First, 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want you to look at another particular passage of Scripture where that very same verse is found, and it's found in verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 5, but the Greek word is found in verse number 6. Look what he says here. For you. In verse number five, for you all, for you are all sons and light and sons of the day. Now notice the individuals that he's talking to here are the Christians at Thessalonica. Those born again believers at Thessalonica. He's not talking to the world because if he was, he could not say what he was saying in verse number five. He's addressing those believers and he's saying for you are all sons of light, sons of the day. We're not of the night or the darkness. Verse 6. So then, look at the next phrase. We must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake. There's the Greek word, Gregorio, which means be alert, be aware, pay attention of what's going on around you. He says, We must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be sober. What is the word? meaning where it says that we must not sleep like the rest what does that particular phrase mean what does that mean we must not sleep like the rest if you do a word study on that particular phrase you'll see that this is speaking to believers that have a carnal indifference of spiritual things of that day in other words these are believers that are just not paying attention to the spiritual aspect of their life whatsoever. That's what he means when he says do not sleep. He's saying do not ignore your spiritual life. He's saying do not have a carnal sinful indifference to the spiritual things of life. And then he says stay awake, be alert, be aware of the spiritual things that are taking place in life. Does everybody understand what, it, what we're talking about here? He says, stay awake, be alert, pay attention, and pray. Why should we do that? That's a great question. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter number 5. I'm just trying to lay the foundation for where we're going here. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Look what the Bible says. Be sober. Here's that same Greek word once again. Be on the alert. Gregorio. Be on the alert. Be sober. Be on the alert. Why? Your adversary. The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Why was it that Jesus was telling us to stay awake and pray? You me tell you the reason? Because Satan, friends, listen is very real the spiritual world is very real listen guys there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun if there is no hell then I don't know what in the world we're doing here trying to have church today we don't need church if there is no hell to shun and no heaven to gain, we're wasting our time here. The reason we are here is because there is a spiritual battle that's taking place. As a matter of fact, if you remember the lesson you studied this morning, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. That is a, that is a monumental verse in the Word of God. It's the very first prophecy Of the coming seed. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's called a pro-evangelical. That's what that particular verse is called. The first prophecy. The proclaiming of the Son of God coming. Why was he coming? To redeem us. Why? Because in our fallen state. We will split hell wide open. Are you guys with me this morning? Listen guys. We need to pay attention. Why? Because Satan. Satan like a roaring lion is going about seeking whom he may devour and let me tell you this honey you nor myself are any match for the devil he will devour you he will devour me the only way we're a match with him is when we stay awake we're vigilant we're aware of what's taking place and we're praying, and our dependence now goes on the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're clothed in His righteousness, and the scripture says in 1 John, Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. That's how we have power over Satan. But listen, guys, if we're not staying awake and if we're not praying, then it's not gonna be long till we are overthrown. You know, over the past several weeks, I've been thinking a lot about our church and our ministry, and 11 and a half years, we've been building Victory Church. We've had high points, we've had low points, and I got to thinking, you know, the average pastor leaves a church about every 2.8 months, two years point, 2 years, 8 months, right under the 3-year mark. And I got to think, you know, I've been here almost four times longer than the average pastor stays in a church. And I've been here long enough till I've seen it on the top, and I've seen it get about as low as it can get. I've seen us win some victories. I've seen us get, I mean, absolutely get some black eyes and almost get knocked out. I mean, it's just amazing the life cycle of a church. But you know what? It's really no different than the life cycle of a Christian believer we have our peaks, we have our valleys, we have our mountaintop experiences, we have our lows but as I was going back and thinking about the life cycle of our church I started thinking about some families and I'll be honest with you right here is my lips started quivering and my heart started breaking because guys there have been some good 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 godly Christian families that have sat right where you are sitting and today their family is destroyed. It's hard for me. There have been individuals that I've allowed to come up here and give a testimony just like Pat and Linda came and gave a testimony. They stood behind this podium. They held a microphone. They gave a testimony to you how God was blessing their life and how God was moving in their life and today... They are divorced, the family's broken, it's split up, they're all completely out of church. I ask the question, why? And by the way, guys, that's not just one family that's been a part of Victory Church that's like that today. Over my past 11 and a half years of doing ministry here, I counted over 12 families that I know are shattered today. That at one time, they were part of the backbone of our church. Giving testimony to what God was doing in their life. Today, they're divorced. Their families are shattered. The home is broken. Why? Guys, it's not a game we're doing. I don't look at this as a game. I, th- I don't come in here just to have fun. I realize that souls are at stake, families are at stake, and we had better get serious about what we're doing because 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 is still in the book. Satan, as a roaring lion, is going about seeking whom he may devour. And guys, if we're not staying awake, and if we're not praying, then we are easy prey for Satan. And you don't think it can happen? I can give you a list of names of families. And I can go show you where they took our membership class. Where they vowed that they would pray. That they would have their devotion time. That they would live a Christian life. What happened? They got away from that. They became easy prey to the devil. And God's listen, I am no exception to that statistic. You, I don't care how long you've been a believer and I don't care what your family tree looks like and I don't care how many preachers may be in your family tree you are no exception guys this thing called prayer it's serious amen now I know I've set kind of a hard tone but I've done that intentionally you know it's easy to come in here and just kind of have fun tell jokes and all laugh and and leave and we go home you know what we become easy prey I want to try to heighten the awareness of the spiritual battle that takes place every single day for your soul and for my soul Satan is after you you know what guys Satan's not really concerned matter of fact Satan really doesn't even mind if you just come to church on Sunday morning. He don't care if you do that. Satan really doesn't even care if you come in here and sit in a chair and listen to a sermon, sing a few songs. Satan really could care less if you get up there and sing. Get on up there. Satan's not, he's not threatened by you singing. Satan is not threatened by you even teaching. But Satan is threatened When you fall on your face before a holy God and you start praying in the name of Jesus, then Satan starts to tremble. Hello? You see, there's a lot of Christians that go through the motions. There's a lot of them that are here today and they're kind of involved in ministry and they just go through the motions. But a lot of them are so powerless, they are of no threat to the devil whatsoever. He don't care if you're busy in church ministry. He don't care if you're just doing stuff that the church is doing. He don't care. He doesn't care if you get together and just have good Christian fellowship over a casserole. Satan could care less about that. He's not threatened by that, but he is threatened when you fall on your face before a holy God and you start to pray you know what my desire is? my desire is that we as a church would become what Jesus said the house of God is to be a house of prayer my desire is that we become a church that understands the power of prayer and we become a people of prayer and we start practicing prayer and we just start giving the devil a black eye every single week amen And one of the greatest ministries we've had going in the past is our prayer ministry. And we kind of got away from it for other things and for other reasons, and I really don't know. But that's something we've started back up again with our SE, Servant Evangelism. I want to encourage you today. We've got a sign-up in the back for you to be involved in our prayer ministry. I would love to see our entire church sign up for that list. And you take a Sunday. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to rotate a Sunday morning where you and your team on that particular Sunday morning, you're going to get back in one of these back rooms somewhere, and while we're having church worship service, your team is going to be praying. You may even be on a team that prays on Wednesday evening. I don't know how that's going to work, but I want everybody to get plugged into our prayer ministry. Why? Because that's the only way we can give Satan a black eye. Hello? well you guys are weak on the amen man I've been down south preaching I've preached 13 messages down there and every time I just came close to getting to my ear and they were shouting me down come on tell me something let me know you're here it's okay amen, amen. or oh me whatever it is but say something it's okay alright hey, let, me, let me share with you some statistics that I found about prayer this kinda of blew me away Newsweek Newsweek magazine not Christianity Today, not the Discipleship Journal not our other Christian publications but Newsweek magazine did a survey of their readers their subscribers about what they believed about prayer and what their habits of prayer would be I'm talking about Newsweek magazine subscribers I'm not talking about surveying the church are you with me? I was blown away by these numbers absolutely blown away let me share them with you eighty-seven percent eighty-seven percent of those surveyed believes that God answers prayer fifty-fifty four percent say that they pray on a daily basis eighty-seven percent of those Newsweek subscribers believe that God answers prayer Only 54% of those pray on a daily basis. Now here's where it even gets interesting. Listen to this. Of those surveyed, 82% ask for health or success for a child or a family member. Another 82% believes that God does not play favorites in answering prayer. 79% believe that God answers prayers for healing someone with an incurable disease. 8 out of 10 people believe that God answers that prayer. 75 percent ask for strength to overcome personal weaknesses 72 percent think prayer for help in finding a job are answered 54 percent say that when God doesn't answer their prayer it just means it must not have been God's will 51 percent think that God answered or God doesn't answer prayers to win sporting events I wish that number was higher and God's not really concerned about whether your team wins or loses, hello? 36%, get this, 36% never pray for financial or career success. And 82% do not turn away from God when their prayers are unanswered. If that's the case with what they believe about prayer then my question is, why the indifference that 87% of people believe that God answers their prayer, but only 54% of those surveyed are praying on a daily basis? That tells me that the reason they're not praying is because their theology is messed up. That's not the case. They believe the right way about prayer. So it's not their theology of prayer... It also tells me it is not the rewards of prayer because they believe that God can, what was the percent? 79% believes that God can heal an incurable disease. So their theology is not messed up, up, nor is their rewards messed up. They believe in all of that. But still yet, only 5 out of 10 individuals surveyed are praying on a daily basis. You know what's messed up? Their practice of prayer is messed up. You remember what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26? Stay awake and pray. Stay awake and pray. Eight out of ten, almost nine out of ten, 87% believe that God answers prayer. 54% are praying on a daily basis. Now there's a lot more that I could say about that, but I'm just going to skip that part of it. Guys, let me tell you something. You are no match for Satan without being a person of prayer. Neither are you a threat to Satan. He, you know what? He, he, he's really not going to get real active or real busy in your life until you get serious about your prayer life. And then you're really going to start seeing some, some attack on you. And you say, well, I don't want that. No, that's a good thing. Hello? That is a good thing because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let me share with you several things about prayer. I want to talk to you. I want to share with you about four ideas on how you can persevere in your prayer life. And I think these are important. Take out your notes, if you will, please, and, and jot these four things down. Number one, for us to persevere in our prayer life, we must change our attitude about prayer. For us to persevere in our prayer life, we must change our attitude about prayer. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As an individual thinks in his heart, so is he. So if only 54% of those surveyed through Newsweek magazine are praying on a daily basis, that kind of tells me that they really, down deep in their heart, do not believe that praying is going to make much difference. And I wonder, if we're not praying on a regular basis, could it be that our attitude about prayer is not where it needs to be? Could it be that our attitude about prayer needs to change a little bit? Do do you you think it's possible that we do not believe that we need to pray as much as we sometimes like to preach and say that we believe? Because as we think in our heart, so are we, according to Proverbs 23. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So if we can change the way we think, we can then change our heart, which will in turn change our actions. And get us to be a people of prayer. What are some of the common attitudes about prayer? Now, there's several. There's a lot of people that, that they say prayer is only for the sick or for those who are dying. You know, that's kind of a negative attitude. There are those that say that prayer is only for the lame. There are those that say that prayer is only for those with big problems. Some say that prayer is only for those with no hope. Some say that prayer is a waste of time. Who was the, um, the guy, I think up in Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, I think his name was, said that those Christians are just weak and anemic and they need prayer and God as a crutch to get through life, something of that effect. You know, that's some of the attitudes that people have towards prayer. We need to change our mindset. We need to change our attitude. And we as a church even need to, need to get more intense with our attitude about prayer. And realize how important. It needs to move up the priority list. You know what needs to happen? We need to realize that prayer is a command. Prayer is a command of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the Word of God says, Pray without ceasing. That's a command. That's a direct command to us as believers that we are to pray without ceasing. It does not say worship without ceasing. Nor does it say study without ceasing. What does it say? What does it say, church? Pray without ceasing. It doesn't say to fellowship without ceasing. It doesn't say do evangelism without ceasing. It doesn't say serve without ceasing. What does it say to do without ceasing? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Matter of fact, Jesus said, my house, I've already said this, my house shall be what? A house of prayer. Not a house of worship. You think we can have church and never sing a song? For some, it's going to be impossible. Impossible. Hello? You can, you can have church and never sing a song. The Bible didn't say that we're to worship without ceasing. Jesus said, my house will be a, a house of worship. He says, my house should be a house of what? Prayer. We need to change our attitude and our mindset and realize that praying is a command from God. And we need to be praying every single day, the scripture says, without ceasing You may say, How in the world do we pray without ceasing? It it means this it means you pick up the phone and you dial 411 God and you get a hold of God first thing every morning and then you lay the receiver on your shoulder and you keep him on the line the rest of the day. You get in a spirit and a mindset of connecting with God. Prayer is a command. Prayer is also power. I'm talking about changing our attitude and our mindset about what prayer is. Prayer not only is a command, prayer is also power. Oh my goodness, guys, if you could go back and do a study on the power of prayer. Go back, if you will, in the book of Joshua, and you'll see that Joshua prayed, and what happened? The walls came tumbling down around Jericho. You'll see that Jonah prayed, and he was delivered from the belly of the fish. You'll see that Elijah prayed, and fire came down from heaven and consumed the altar. He prayed again, it quit raining. He prayed again, and the cloud came. I'm telling you, there's power in prayer. You'll find that Daniel prayed, and when he was thrown into the lion's den, what happened? The mouths of the lions were shut. You'll also find where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed and they were delivered from the fire. Guys, I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. We need to change our attitude about prayer and realize that prayer is a command and prayer is power. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a powerless Christian. I don't want to be a powerless preacher. I don't want to be a powerless pastor. I don't want to be a powerless husband. I don't want to be a powerless father. And if we want power in our life, then we must be a people of prayer. We've got to change our attitude. The second thing is we need to recognize our need for prayer. And we're talking about how to persevere through prayer. Yes, change our attitude about prayer. Number two, recognize our need. Now, I've already unpacked this one a little bit. 1 Peter 5, 8, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And guys, we need to realize that we need God. In Psalm 90, verse 3 through 6, I love this passage of Scripture. It says, you return mankind to the dust. <laughs> you return. God, you return mankind to the dust. Return descendants of Adam. For in your sight, oh God, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by like a few hours of the night. Your end you end their lives, they sleep, they're like grass that grows in the morning, in the morning it sprouts and it grows by evening, it withers and dries, who's in command here? God, we're just dust we're just pieces of dirt that God molded together and He breathed into our nostril, man became a living soul hello? there is, listen, you know a lot of times in our world today we like to think about the upper crust and and you know the high class and the middle class and the low class and, and the upper crust of society you know, what, you know what the upper crust is? all it is is a few crumbs that made it to the top that's, that's really all it is, we're all just dust and dirt created by God and what we need to do is recognize our need for prayer and for, for guidance from Him, we need God's guidance or oh, that we could be a people like Jacob you remember back in Genesis chapter 32 when Jacob was wrestling with the angel of God, and he was wrestling with God, and the angel said, "Let me go," and he said, "No, I will not let go until you bless me." Jacob realized that he needed God's blessing, that he needed God's guidance, and he would not let go. And I love the I love the passage of scripture where it says that the Lord touched him on his thigh. And then you know what happened from that? Who who can tell me what happened to Jacob's life from that day forward? What did he do? He walked with a limp. The rest of his days, he walked with a limp. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture that Jacob had been with God. And everybody could look at his life from that day forward. And they could tell that that man had spent some time with God. My question to you, can people even tell that you're even spending any time with God? Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his days because he had spent some time with God and God's, how in the world are we going to be the salt and the light of the earth if we don't spend time with God and start walking with a little bit of a holy limp Amen? Where people can see that you've been with the Lord I think about in Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 8, the woman with the issue of blood you remember what she did? She had this issue of blood and this blood disease and she'd went to all the doctors and she'd spent all of her living from all the, all the educated medical field of her day and none of them could bring healing to her and there was a massive crowd, Jesus was passing by and she said, oh, if I could just what, finish it for me, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She recognized her need. You see, sometimes guys, I don't think we really recognize our need. We're so self-sufficient. Hello? God, I don't really need you. I got a good job. Hello? I was speaking, I'm not down on military guys right here at all, but I want you to get this. I was speaking with a military guy the other day, and he said, you know what? I've never had to worry about a paycheck. Not one day have I ever had to worry. He said, the government has always paid me, And it's always been on time, and I've never had to worry about a paycheck. And I'm thinking, you know what? And I kind of shared this with the individual. I said, you know what? That may be keeping you from being the man that God wants you to be. Because you may need to get to the point where you worry about a paycheck. I'm not saying, I am not against military guys getting a paycheck from the government. But sometimes I think we put too much dependence on the government or somebody else to take care of us and not really on God. And sometimes I believe God gets us in a place where we do have some serious needs. And it's usually then that we do what? It's usually then we pray. It's usually then we cry out to God. And I guess, guys, what I'm trying to say is that I believe that we need to change our attitude, we need to change and recognize our need for prayer. Thirdly, here's something else. (laughs) this This one may not be easy to swallow, but we need to remove things that interfere with our prayer, remove the things that interfere with our prayer life. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no man or no one can be a slave of two masters. And you either hate the one or love the other. Be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. You see, I think there are things that come in between us and God that interferes with our prayer life. And whatever those things are, guys, they need to be removed. Hello? We need to remove the things that interfere between us and God and hinders our prayer life. You know what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3? it says do not have any other gods besides me what are some of the other gods that sometimes we put in our lives and whatever those other gods are I promise you they are interfering with your prayer life and anything else we put before God becomes an idol and we are guilty of idol worship And what are some of the other gods well I didn't make an exhaustive list but I did pin down a few things here Some other gods may be the material things in our life, such as our house, our car, our motorcycles, our jewelry, our clothing, our possessions, hello? The material things of life, our golf clubs, whatever it is. What material thing could there be in your life that the Holy Spirit may be fingering around saying, that's an interference, that's another god? Now, we're not going to classify it as a God. We're not going to tell anybody it's a God. But it does alter our decisions and sometimes it alters our prayer life. And almost subconsciously, we're going around some of those things. Those are other gods. What about jobs and career and ministry? What about pleasures and comfort? What about freedom? You know, there are all types of other gods that we could stick in there. And I'm telling you guys, we we need to rearrange and remove some of those things that interfere with our prayer life. And we need to make a decision that Joshua made. In Joshua chapter 24, in verse number 15, he was looking around to the children of Israel and said, hey, you choose for yourself who you're going to serve and what God you're going to serve. And he went on the latter part of that verse. He says, but as for me and my house, you know this verse, finish it for me. We will. He made a conscience decision that he was going to serve God. And if we're going to persevere in our prayer life, we've got to change our attitude about prayer. We've got to recognize our need for prayer. We must remove the things that interfere with prayer. And number four, we must set a time and a place for prayer. I mean, it must be on the calendar every single day. Just, just like that next important meeting that you must go to is on the calendar that next important event we, no, we need to set prayer on our daily agenda every single day set a time and set a place and put it on the agenda and when the world calls and say, hey I would like to meet with you right there you say I'm sorry my calendar is full on that spot I cannot meet with you hello let me I wonder is prayer even on your daily agenda? does it even hit the list? you know we've got all these other to-do lists for the day and we're going through the day and we're checking all those things off just ask the question where is prayer? have I put that on the daily agenda? and if you haven't I want to encourage you to put it there we need to set a time and a place to pray let me share with you a few verses of scripture about Jesus' practice in Matthew 14, 23 And when he had sent the multitudes away, the scripture says, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Where did he go? On the mountain. Who did he go with? By himself. He just set a time and a place and went away to pray. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Where did he go? He went to the mountain. Who did he go with? By himself, just to get a hold of him and God. And then Luke 9 and 28, and I can give you many more verses, but it says, Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter and John and James and went where? Went up to the where? Mountain to pray. My point is, Jesus had a designated place where he liked to go pray. He wanted to go up into the mountains to pray. And you read all through Scripture where Jesus departed and went to the mountains. Sometimes he went by himself. Other times he took others with him. But the point is he had a designated place where he got away to pray. Question for all of us. Where is our designated place? Do we have a little piece of holy ground somewhere? And guys, it may be sitting in the car before you go into the job and into work. Or you may sit there for 10, 15 minutes and that be holy ground for you. It doesn't have to be some place you carve out on your property and you have a little cross and you go kneel. It could be just a designated place. But guys, we need to pick that place, that set time, that set place where we go and pray. And it's obvious to see that Jesus had a set time and place. Let me conclude my message with this little poem. Listen to this, if you will. It's titled, No Time. I knelt to pray, but not for long. I had too much to do. I had to hurry and get to work, for bills would soon be due. So I knelt and said a hurried prayer and jumped up off my knees. My Christian duty was now done, my soul could rest at ease. All day long I had no time to spread a word of cheer, no time to speak of Christ to friends, they'd laugh at me I feared. No time, no time too much to do, that was my constant cry. No time to give to souls in need, but at last the time, the time to die. I went before the Lord. I came and stood with downcast eyes. For in his hands God held a book. It was the book of life. God looked into his book and said, Your name I cannot find. I once was going to write it down, but never found the time. Mm. I hope that's not you or me when we stand before the Lord that day. But guys, we got to find some time to pray. And I want to encourage you right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and they come have a song of invitation just let me encourage you will you think about your week this coming week will you work at changing your attitude about prayer will you work at recognizing your need for prayer will you remove the things that interfere with your prayer life will you set a time and a place for prayer Think about your week to come. Think about what tomorrow's going to hold. And I know we've all got things already on the calendar. I've got several meetings I'll be in next week. I've got lunch meetings I'll be in with individuals. I've already got things on the agenda. I've got study time in there with some individuals. I've got my own sermon prep time in there. I've got my own. Listen, I know we're all busy. But let me ask you the question. Where have you set on your daily agenda your time to pray we need to change that in our lives as we have this song of invitation I want you to just contemplate your prayer life and I want you to think about where you are in your prayer life and I want you today to get started just spending some quiet time with God in prayer let us pray Father I just pray that you would speak to hearts as we commit this time to you. I ask you, Lord, that you would help all of us, myself included, to realize what a great need we have in our lives to be a people of prayer. God, we need you. We can't do this thing by ourselves. Father, we need your leadership. God, we need you in our lives. I pray, dear God, that you would help each one of us to carve out portion of our day to spend with you in prayer have your will and way in this time together, if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and their Savior, my prayer is today that right now they would invite you into their heart maybe there's one that needs to rededicate recommit their life to you God, whatever that need is today I just pray that today they'd make that make that decision and they would follow you Bring a spirit of revival into our church, and may you revive our prayer lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. Or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.